Hey everyone, we are back here once again with another episode of the Iron Man podcast, episode 204. We're on our journey to hitting 300 episodes on this show. And if you guys just so happen to watch and listen to these episodes on the podcasting platforms that they will be up on, I just want to say, you know, thank you to every single person that takes their time out of their day to watch and listen to the shows and have fun with them, you know, because I know I'm putting up episodes for my League of Legends podcast, as well as I'm sprinkling in some episodes of this show here and there, because obviously I'm, I want to keep your guys' attention. But for the most part, to get all these episodes up on the podcasting platforms, I have to do a little bit of a, you know, it's like when you go one route to work, but then you got to take the sh take a, another route one day because the freaking freeway might be backed up. So just think of it like that. And today you're joined here with Mr. Uh, Travis Gibb. Actually, the creator of Orange Cone Productions. We we're going to have him on last week, but my brain completely fried out because I was working like all day. And I was like, wait a minute. I I literally thought I said that time. And he was like, no, you didn't. I was like, fuck, brain fried. Actual brain just went to the toilet. It's like a, when you wrestle and you do the pile driver. It's basically my brain just did a pile driver. That That's basically all it turned into. But yeah, nice to meet you, man. How are you doing? Nice. Good. How are you? Oh, old. Ugh, my muscles starting to hurt. <laughs> God. Well, let's start here with your uh, origin story. So how was your life growing up, actually? How was my life growing up? That's an interesting story. So I come from uh, I come from New Hampshire, and um, my parents were both drug addicts. So I uh, I got raised by a couple of drug addicts. Uh, they uh, they still my parents, so I love them. So even though it's hard to say things like that, but um, I grew up. Uh, in a, kind of a broken home, kind of a messed up situation, but you know, I made it through and uh, you know, better for it. You know, I have two brothers, uh, all of us kind of raised up in that lifestyle. Both my parents have uh, died since then, uh, both at young ages because of that. You know, my uh, my dad died of a fentanyl overdose, and my mom uh, died uh, because she quit drugs about uh, when I was about 18 and then didn't take anything, got a back surgery, had an ulcer exploding her chest and because she was on percocets i didn't know so yeah it's it's a wild you wanted to hear it though yes yes to the, the upgrade you go. a absolute tragic backstory Holy right tragic backstory wonderful. uh uh yeah so to ask you this before you go into the other things which is you know how like a lot of people are dying of fentanyl like your dad did yeah. how do you feel about that right now because you know that's even gotten even probably bigger since you were a bit younger you know the whole fentanyl crisis in america people it's weird because everyone talks about like 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 weed and tobacco and all these other ones, but fentanyl literally is killing more people than even those, right? It's it's a tough thing, and it's um it's such a it's such a toxic drug because it like you know people who take it like you can see the deteriorate fast, right? It's not like the other ones where like three years down the road, oh wow, something's going on. So it's it's such a it's such a tough situation because it's. It's all over the place and it's getting laced with all these other things which are killing people, right? You know, it's getting laced with marijuana. It's getting laced with with other drugs and uh, and causing problems. So uh, it's it's definitely a big problem. It's the only I uh, I have no problem with immigration. Like I, I want people to come into this country. I'm, I'm not worried about that. But when you talk about a lot of it coming from China and then going through Mexico, like I wish there was a way. I wish we'd stop the Chinese part. Like I'm not worried about people coming over the border. I'm worried about. China getting into Mexico, then bringing it over, right? Let's let's hit the source instead of pretending that it's it's somewhere else, you know. It's really weird because like all these like immigrants are coming over, and the fentanyl crisis is getting even bigger, and people right. are so worried about many other things. It's like, hey, people are literally walking into the country and giving us basically deadly killing drugs right there, right. and. People are just going like, but, you know, all these immigrants are coming in and they want to just be a part of this country. Well, uh, recently we've been figuring out that a lot of these guys don't even absolve American values. Let's just say that, you know. So, uh, well, so I'll ask you this, which is since that happened to you. So how how old were you then when all that happened? Like when oh, uh, my, parents, my parents both died uh, when I was an adult, but still young. They were 60. So my uh, my dad died, I think. Three years ago, and my mom is like six. six so. Okay, so your dad was twenty twenty, and your mom was around 2017, 2018. How yeah. did you? How? Because this happened to me too. I lost my mom, my aunt, 
and uh, my grandma was in a session of between like 2011 to like 2022. How do you mentally function sometimes? Throughout I mean, it, it, it breaks you up. I mean, uh, my mom died right around Thanksgiving. So this this time of year is a mess for me. She died the day before. I know how you feel. Yeah. Uh, I don't so, give a fuck like, about holidays, actually. I just yeah. be like, I'm <laughs> emotions all turned off and shit. You're like a fucking statue. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a mess. Um, uh, all that stuff, but uh, I I put it into my work. You know, um, I have a I have a son who's four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my dad dad had to be a little bit longer. My dad I, my dad had to be five. My mom seven because uh, mm-hmm. so my I I had a son, mm-hmm. and uh, I just hated the state of New Hampshire because I've been living in Florida for a long time. I just hated that state because I was like, there's no reason everybody's dead. Everybody I care mm-hmm. about it's gone and passed away. Um, but I had a son and I was just like, man, I, I can't not show my son where I came from. So I've got to figure out how to love this. Uh, and that's when I came up with Granite State Punk, you know, that was me like expressing my anger. This is a lot of uh, drug use in that. There's a lot of punk rock. There's a lot of frustration kind of expressing what I hate about New Hampshire, like in, in vomiting on the page. But while doing that, I also found what I loved about the state and kind of building that together. That's why it's called Granite State Punk. If you don't know, New Hampshire is the Granite State. So it's me rebuilding my love for that state and, and putting it into my work and, and creating something new to, to find a new love for it. So how did you get into comic books, actually? Okay. Uh, so I, uh, so going back to New Hampshire, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm in a weird situation. So even though my parents uh, were both drug addicts, I'm not your typical person in that situation. I, you kind of said you have a kind of similar situation. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like the, yeah. On your left and right though, on your left and right, are they both kind of in that situation? You're both. No, uh, but, uh, not the drug addict thing. So they all died essentially from like, oh. let's say like what other black people die from like uh, bad eating habits. That's like, like high cholesterol, sure, uh, smoking habits. Yeah. yeah. So basically similar, similar structure, but a different way actually. Yeah. So I know how you feel, man. That's that shit fucking sucks. <laughs> right. So in my situation, I have one side of my family that's very trashy, right? Trailer park, mm-hmm. like broke oh, down, like, like theft. And then on the other side, I have well off. So my, uh, my dad wasn't, uh, my dad's family wasn't a mess. They, they're all well together. They all own businesses. They all are a great career. So I, I was very lucky. So even though I was born in that stuff, I think people who are born in those environments where it's just one or the other, like you can't see the world for it is. So I've never felt I fit in. Right. Cause this side's like full house. Right. And this side's trailer park boys. Like, I don't know what's going on. They're two different worlds. Try to do it. Um, my grandmother got me a description of Amazing Spider-Man and I, I picked it up and I've picked it up everywhere since. Um, I'm a little, I'm in my forties uh, and where I'm from is where the Ninja Turtles are from. So they're from Dover, New Hampshire. I'm from yeah. Rochester. That's like a suburb. So when I grew up, I knew the Ninja Turtles were such a big deal because they came from here. This is where they're from. So I saw them at cons and did all that stuff. And then the tick blew up and the tick was big. And then we had an image comics, so everything was blowing up. So I was through all that reading comics, loving comics, creating, and um, comics helped me escape. Man, like I learned my rights and wrongs not from the Bible, like some people. I I learned it from comic books. I learned how to view people, how to treat people from the the pages of the book, and I've collected ever since. I have a massive comic habit. I uh, I spend a massive amount of money on comics every week, as well as Kickstarters, as well as make my own. So. Uh, it's it's wild. It's also crazy how the the recent things about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that people were like going up and ends about. You remember uh, it was about earlier this year. It was like the beginning part of the year where people thought it was the main uh the main girl that's in the series. I forget her name sometimes. April. They thought April. They thought she was black, and I was like, bro, did. Like, just say you're a poser, say you don't know, and then we could just, like, educate you. But then – but that that's, that's what people don't – that would be the right thing to do. I, but, okay, if you didn't know, I'll just explain it to you. It, it, I'm not one of those dicks, but you didn't fucking know, you fucking nerd. No, I can explain things to you in context, too. But you know what people do, dude? People actually don't know things and then perpetuate a false narrative of something that never happened for something that they don't – that literally did not exist for, that they weren't even around the time of – just to say some bullshit, just a virtue signal, right? And then people started finding all those conflicting statements between um, what was it, Laird and the uh, the other guy, Eastman? Yeah, 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 yeah. And well, it's, it's like, like so. 
it, so for the April thing, for the people who don't know, just mm-hmm. so he drew her uh, and she has some black characteristics because yes. he was dating a black woman at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, she it wasn't that she was necessarily meant to be white, but when he's been asked, he said mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. That's not important to the story. Like that doesn't matter. Yeah. But Peter Lard also said he's no, no, she's she's white. That's why she was white in the comics and she's red hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but Eastman, who also co-created it, said like that doesn't matter. Like that's it's not important to the story, right? Yeah, like, there's mutant turtles. Like what what does that matter? Right? Yeah. So, so uh, people forget the reason why the Hulk is green is because the printers at the time couldn't directly get his skin color that way when they were printing the color. So yeah, they were printing gray. gray. He was yeah. started out gray, and they couldn't get the green right. And then when they got mm-hmm. the green right, they they been same thing gray. happened with with their story. They tried to print her that way specifically, or one of their ideas that way, and she came out obviously right. white. Right. And, but but that would still mean but that would still negate the narrative that people are trying to push it. No, she was originally black. It's like no, because for one creator said it doesn't matter, and the other creator was like no, she's mixed. So she so she still wouldn't be black even if she was mixed because you can just tailor it both ways. And throughout most media, April's not been black. April's just been white. It's the new media where she's black, you know. And and let's be honest. So I grew up in New Hampshire in the '90s. I had mm-hmm. one black person who was at my school. One. There was one black family in the neighborhood. So you you subtract 10 years, they had zero. <laughs> right? <laughs> so how do you feel about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles throughout all these years? Because you grew up with you grew up with them. Yeah. Right. So did you so you saw that original live action movie, right? Here. I saw the original live action movie. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I saw it. I was super stoked for it. It, it was it was such a big thing for me. Um, you know, going, going to see that it blew my mind. You know, I, I loved it. It, and like I said, these guys were like hometown heroes. They were people who were reachable, right? Like you, you could make it, it it put that idea in your head that you could do something, um, which, you know, when you actually start making, it's way harder than that. But, uh, it it was really cool to see that it, they just this week, actually, uh, earlier this week, maybe it was last week, but within the last two weeks. They they dedicated uh, a manhole cover to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So they took the original I building that. and yeah. they added a thing. Yeah. So it's really weird. It's such a big culture, like in my area, of Ninja Turtles and being part of our lifestyle because that's how we grew up. So you've essentially had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles throughout your whole life, essentially. Movies, creation, the new stuff, all their yeah. crossovers. What did you feel about so everyone? The, the newest story that everyone keeps talking about is The Last Ronin. Sure. Everyone can't stop talking about the last Ronin. Is it that good? Because I, I have it in my Amazon card, right? And I like Team Team I, I, I like them a lot. It's like because you know new stories can be like really really bad, but everyone keeps saying it's so good. I couldn't help but probably not end up getting it. You know? Yeah, it, it's really good. I really really enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the big twist of it, but it's it's bringing it to the darker elements that they had in the past in the original runs. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is really really cool. Bringing uh, some elements of of Kevin Eastman and Peter Lard, they created these characters together. They carried mm-hmm. the design, and that hasn't been done in years. So it's got a lot of nostalgic feel to it. And yeah. they got a the artist on it's Ben Bishop. He he does the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles such a, a graphic style, mm-hmm. um, and I think it resonates more to modern fans. You know, I, I see you're into manga. It kind of more feels like a a Sojin Jump story you know it's uh like a revenge story you know ninja turtles revenge story with the with the darkened tones of of a modern manga which i i think is really really good and it's a good take you know that's why there's a reason why ninja turtles last even though it's a parody of daredevil there's a reason why they last because <laughs> there's something about these each one of those characters you can find and ide- identify with it but yeah. they can be told they could be make a joke like the mutant mayhem that just came out like it can be a funny movie just a big fun, or it can be dark and serious in both worlds. Yeah, they just very- had a recent animated movie. Did you watch? I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. Did you watch the recent animated movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Did you like yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. It didn't uh, mm-hmm. it didn't have Shredder in it, which was kind of cool. It's refreshing because all these reboots are always Shredder in the foot plan. Yeah, the last that. two I saw, the live action ones, was the the ones produced by Nickelodeon and Michael Bay. The Michael Bay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, those were, uh, did, yeah, yeah, guys. April wasn't when she was black before. <laughs> Megan Fox was April. 
Well, I, nobody's going to complain if you cast Megan Fox as anything, though. So you're you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was, I remember there was a scene in the, the fucking first movie where she's bending over and the dude's just like straight staring at her ass. And I'm like, okay, that's a that's exactly yeah, that's what a new April, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the new one's fun, um, and you know it focuses on mutants instead of like the the fighting of the Foot Clan, which I think was a, mm-hmm. a good take, and it's a lot of fun. It's done by teenagers, which is also neat. So they're talking real teenage speak, not not like written script teenage speak. Like it's not yeah. a 40 year old telling you how teenagers speak. It's teenagers right. playing all the Ninja Turtles and speaking as they would, which I think is, is super fun and bringing it back to the way it was, you know? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle animator that I grew up on was the one that I pretty sure everyone grew up with in my time period was they had the cool theme song. Uh, it came on channel 39, Cartoon mm-hmm. Network and channel five it was kids. It was WB kids for reruns. Right. Uh, that was the series that I grew up on. I, that just made me fall in love with it. I was a cool theme song. The, it was dark. It was gritty. It had the balance of humor to it. Uh, what was the last thing I saw from TMNT? I saw the movies in that. Oh, it was the Batman versus TMNT animated movie. That yeah, was that was fun. That was just <laughs> that's how you do fan service right there. Now that Shredder teaming up with Ra's al Ghul, like just just, just shut up and take my money. <laughs> just, yeah. Because uh, no, exactly. they are kind of like the same character, though. Like Shredder and Roz are based on the same character, except one is a little bit more considered with genocide. The other one is kind of, yeah. you know, a lot more like I rather have my people do my work, but I'll get in there and do the dirt if I can. I remember the animated show where they didn't even know they were talking to Shredder and he was trying to convince one to betray the other ones. And their brotherhood bond was so strong, they didn't do it. And he got so angry, he was like, okay, I'll just kill you now. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, man. Foot Clan yeah. and Shredder. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And, you know, they showed the brotherhoods, you know, the two different types of brotherhoods, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Bruce Wang kids and brotherhood mm-hmm. and they showed the other one. So I, I do get that confused sometimes because there's like three volumes of that in the comics. I don't know if you know that. The Batman versus Turtles, there's three volumes of it. So I, yeah. I sometimes forget what's in the film versus what I've read in the comic because it all melds mm-hmm. to the same oh, thing. Oh, there's a comic. I need to buy that ASAP. There's three. There's, there's three. There's three. Okay. There's three so what do you think is the future of the franchise now starting from 2024? Because I know they're going to do more animated movies. I heard that the one you're talking about was really successful for them. I don't know about box office-wise. It's hard to generate box office revenue for movies now. But I heard they're going to be continuing more of those. Where where do you think the franchise goes now? Because IDW well, is not doing well, actually. Yeah, yeah, but I but Last Ronin's doing well. So though right. though the the series isn't though the uh, company is well, Last Ronin's really holding together. They just finished up uh, I the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin, uh, mm-hmm. the, the part two called The Lost Years, introduced four new turtles. If you don't know, so there's four mm-hmm. new turtles, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm all of them fighting which is nice so i think that's really good and it, you may not know that there's a video game that's been announced about the last ronin i think that's right, a yeah, yeah. war style video game with an intro with an intro which i think is really cool that's awesome um, yeah i think that's gonna bring in some new value uh because all the ninja turtle games are side scrollers right like the only good <laughs> ones are the side scrollers so if they can yeah. get another hit i think that's gonna help uh tremendously um in the comics realm, non-Last Ronin, Last Ronin 2 is about to start, which I think is is going to be a big hit. I talked to Ben Bishop. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Oh, okay. And, and, and he said that uh, it's really, really good. Like last, the Lost Years that came out was really, for lack of a better term, a, a cash grab. They, they knew Last Ronin was really popular, so they threw some stuff together mm-hmm. really quick. But it isn't the story that they want to tell. The story they want to tell is Last Ronin 2. It's got to go back in the big format. Right. And all that, so that's going to be fun. The other thing in the comics, they're wrapping up Sophie Campbell's run, uh, which you, you may not know, but she's been writing it for about 100 issues. Um, and that's that's wrapping up. And I think that's going to bring some new blood in there. So it's going to keep things going. They just had a Stranger Things crossover. They just had a Street Fighter crossover. So I think there's some big things. They also changed the free comic book day in May, has a brand new logo, has a brand new stuff. So I think there's a lot of really cool stuff coming there's also an animated series coming kind of based off of the cartoon that we just saw the the mute man yeah and what about like mainstream comics so like what was the last mainstream comic book you bought or run of the character oh, you'd got? dude i i i buy mainstream comics uh every week so uh you're, you're oh, okay good. same guy yeah, we, so, we yeah. talk, what you want to talk about pick pick the character i'll tell you about him what's going on oh <laughs> shit all right so 
there's been a lot of Batman stuff going on. Okay. Yeah, Batman uh, chips it us. Because he's runs really. Yeah, he's yeah. he's running it right now. They just finished um, a, a a series that uh, I thought was going to be lame, but was pretty good. It was called Gang Wars, and basically the concept was this: it was a uh, Catwoman recruited uh, all the henchmen of Joker and Penguin and all of them. Her mom said, "Hey, mm-hmm. what if we don't? You don't go with homicidal maniacs who will kill you." I'll teach you how to be a cat, th- uh, a cat burglar. So your crimes are less violent and you won't g- be in these situations like you are right there. Mm. And a whole bunch of people signed on and crime rate went down to nothing. And ba- but Batman got pissed because he's like, it's still criminals. Like, but yeah. some of the bad kids were like, but Gotham's really good right now. Cause I can't. <laughs> so it started this war and uh, uh, Vandal Savage showed up uh with his own agenda trying to mess things up but it was it was really fun we just started a new um uh, a new run with the joker you know because that's what we do you know uh we always DC does. oh they also announced classic dc fashion i don't know if this is going to be a good idea they announced i'm not shitting people a joker year one it's coming mm-hmm. out next year it's going to be well, a three, three issue mini series detailing jokers early days after he came out of the vat of chemicals it's basically just pre the killing It'd be pre the Killing Joke or after it. It'd be technically like after middle. It'd be before. It has to be before because Killing Joke yeah. is, uh, you know, yeah, you're already Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's three Jokers now. Do you know that? Yes, I do. Those are Jeff Johns, Batman, three Jokers. Yeah. Good so story. Really good. And there was like actually it. there was just a Joker series by uh, Matthew Rosenberg where there was another Joker added, <laughs> which was wild. So they so Joker created another Joker because he was getting bored. And then he didn't remember who's who because, you know, he's a joker. <laughs> yeah, I know people didn't like that idea, but people don't understand. Those ideas, is it just shows people they don't really under, fundamentally understand these characters. Joker and Joker is just so insane that he right. would do something like that. Right. You understand? It, you can't uh, – I hate when people project logical shit into a person that thinks it's cool to throw a bomb in a children's hospital and kill them. It's like you can't – like put logic into a character right. like that. It's just not gonna work, you know. I feel like people. It, it happened with the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn movie that came out two years back. Where she yeah. had sex with a dude and she just killed him, and people were like, "Why the fuck she do that?" I was like, "Because that's Harley Quinn." Like, right? Are you living under a rock? <laughs> what rock have you been living under? Like even in um, shit. Even in Batman Arkham Knight, the the Harley Quinn DLC. It, it's, it was in her brain that the regular Harleen Quinzel was still talking to her, telling her right. that the Joker like lied to her about what they were gonna do when they when when he, like, she broke him out and stuff like that. But you see just how many how much people really don't fundamentally understand these characters to a certain yeah, extent, and then they start projecting a whole bunch of bullshit right. that doesn't even exist. You know, it's it's wild out there, man. Oh, yeah, especially God. women who like I want a Harley Quinn and Joker relationship. I was like, no, the f you don't. They they try to kill each other on the regular. Like you can get that. Like you can if you want someone to beat you, I'm sure you can find someone. You don't want that. That's not healthy. Do not want that. There's no and Joker. In I don't care what you're reading the comic or magazine. Uh, eventually, you figure out that Joker doesn't care about anybody but Batman. Like it, he doesn't care about Harley Quinn. Like it's a means to an end. It's fun for a little bit, and when he gets bored, he moves on to the next thing. That's kind of Joker's thing, and that's why you know I love the three Joker concept. I hated it for a bit when it first was announced, but then when you think about, there's really the the way Joker comes after Batman. He kind of right. comes after like really silly or really like separating those into three different things was really clever. Like it it really thinking about someone who really mapped out, all right, this was this Joker. This was this Joker. Like, I I think it's cool. Yeah. Like I was trying to tell people, you know, once in a while you got to spice things up with these characters and I get it. Like having the concept of three Jokers would be like, well, wouldn't like, how would he not know that? And it's like, guys, this is a world where a guy's running around with the back costume. I, that we got the least of our worries here, you know. If you're right, right like it's the same thing with like the whole Batman killing argument that people just still don't understand about the character himself. It's like Batman starts killing, it's just like I would say honestly, throw in the towel. That's not Batman to me, you know. Because why would and honestly, what's this obsession is Batman to kill people? Like his whole life was ruined because someone killed his parents. Why would he do that to other people? And this is the thing with Gotham. If Batman's throwing Joker in jail, then they could just, I don't know, give him the death penalty. 
Like, right. hey, he's turning over these criminals. You could just kill them. They don't because, guys, you know how, that's, how that in society works? Bad people escape death penalties because of corruption. That's how life works. That's why that's why Batman's book sells so well because it has so many parallels to real life and people are able to kind of like talk about those things because that generates conversation. Like, wait a minute. Why is that he throws in Joker? They don't just kill this guy because Joker has ties with people in there that doesn't uh, obviously won't kill him. It's very simple, you know, but it's hard to understand if you're just looking at it from a, I, I feel like people just look at things from just an out a surface level point of view so much. They never look deeper into it. If you look deeper into it, there's, much more bullshit that goes on in life, everyone. A lot more than you realize. Well, and, and I think that, that, you know, that's the big dilemma as Batman, you know, grows as a character. He's got mm -hmm. all these family, all these warriors that he's building up. And he realizes, like, it, there's no ending. Like, he can, mm -hmm. he can be Bruce Wayne and finance it and try to fix it that way. But that's not going to mm -hmm. do it either because now he's built these people who are warriors. So he feels this need to, like, I need to kind of control things the best I can. Uh, mm -hmm. And keep them safe, you know. It's 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 a wild, wild thing, you know. Also, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, so what's the last title I bought? The last title I bought was Thanos number one. I got to okay. get the Shazam number five, and the the artwork on Shazam number five that that, that cover art for every book looked great. I uh, gotta end up picking it up right now. Uh, they released the new Superman twenty twenty three volume one for Dawn of DC, the hardcover. Let me, let me put uh, this Shazam variant in my uh, cart right now. Oh, my God, that looks great. Now, are you talking about – so go to Thanos, was it the Kate, the, the Cadwell one, the one that came out a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I have it in my thing, but the, the reviews that I've been watching so far, it's, I hope they don't do the whole fucking put a woman in it and make her the main thing other than Thanos. I kind of bought the book under the impression that I was going to get this, like, sinister pre-version of Thanos before he goes and does anything crazy. That's the impression that I got. I, the book, I know I got it today. My, I got my mail today. I know it's in there. I yeah, I, 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 I think it's going to be about death. I think it's death on Earth. I mm -hmm. think he's he's seeking death. I think this woman's going to be death, which is mm -hmm. very, which I don't like, by the way. So there is, you you may not know this, but Thanos, there was a, there was a guy who pointed out, if and it's, it's really weird, man. If you read the original um, Infinity Gauntlet, I have, that. Um, I have a book, yeah. If you read the Infinity Ridge of Infinity he talks to death the whole time. No yes, one, that's true. No one but Mephisto acknowledges that death is there. <laughs> Someone put that together in the later run and realized that it's Thanos is just crazy. Death isn't really there, and Mephisto is just playing with him. And it lines up, just happens to be. It wasn't the way it was intended. He, you know, the creator of it never said, but it lines up so well. So Thanos is just a figment. Uh, death is just a figment of Thanos' imaginary. He's trying to court somebody who doesn't exist. Mm. Like, the, it's just part of his crazy, which was beautiful. Uh, but then a writer like this will come in and be like, no, death's real, and talks to him the whole time. All right, cool. Like, don't ruin this weird, like, thing that we realize. Uh, but... I think it'll be good in the end. You know, you got the new Illuminati, Illuminati putting together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not going to be Donny Cates' run, but it, it, it'll it'll work out. But what, what you say there makes so much sense, though, because yeah. when you're reading that book, you're really thinking like, what? Okay, so someone as smart as him who's been like, right, right from that book and his story, he's been alive for like let's say more than three, four thousand some odd years. That's what yeah. it's alluded to. He's been alive for a long time. This is a guy who's killed murderous people countless conquer countless world this guy is an established empire this is not a, an idiot right? right so the only way he would get into his brain that this is what i have to do for love he would have to not be thinking rationally right before like because people don't understand someone just doesn't come to that conclusion just because right. and people keep don't this is what people don't understand about like villains when it comes to like this stuff man Villains just don't come to these conclusions just because. So you would so maybe if people speaking of characters like Mephisto, maybe you'd want to just fuck with people like that. And that's you know, like biblical thing of like demons trying to fuck with people because they're kind of bored and they just want to see the the concept of it was uh in the dark night when um what's his name? This is Alfred said to Bruce after Rachel died, some men just want to watch the world burn. Right. <laughs> oh well, the part about that book. Thanos Thanos was was so confident, and so mm -hmm. Mephisto like is not part of the plan. 
So that yes. I mean, that's the first thing to acknowledge. Mephisto was just like, I need to see the shit go down, like because he's Mephisto. <laughs> um, and then Thanos, um, you know, if he had a plan, he would have chosen who he snapped, but he didn't. Like he was just like half. Like he mm -hmm. didn't worry about like people who were a threat to him. That's mm -hmm. not a rational man, right? It's not mm -hmm. of uh, it's stuff. He was he was in his own twisted world. Like this is balanced. This is fair. I've got to get it all all taken care of. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, he's conquered so many worlds and done stuff. And the only person who he's been doing it all for is this unattainable woman who, mm -hmm. when he destroys half the world, doesn't acknowledge him, which, which allies to the crazy, right? He's half the, I killed half of everybody for you. And it's not enough. Like, <laughs> which is wild, uh, which, which makes Thanos such a unique character, you know, um, Thanos motivations are so like, um, He's so zealot in his motivations, right? Magneto, mm -hmm. like, let's take like a character like Magneto. I love Magneto; he's my favorite villain. But he'll mm -hmm. sway back and forth. He'll, what's better for mutant kind? If I need to be on the X-Men, right. I mean, Thanos isn't like that. This, you guys don't see the bigger picture. Like, we we need to be down to half. I need to impress Death. She's all I care about. More Death is is what we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the uh, the yeah uh, the 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 story for that would be or like the the theme of that would be like people do crazy things for love kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, we, yeah, we we do crazy things for the people that we love. That's just that's how humans are. Like even well, what I also like about the story was that people they didn't really win against Thanos. They actually all die for the most part. Like, but and that's what I like. I that's what I miss in storytelling. Sometimes if a villain like that is so powerful with how many stones he had. You really can't beat him. Like Captain America's talking to him, and he's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna kill you." Like that's right. what villains do. And I think, don't you miss that? Where like, if a villain is so powerful, like the bullshit of the plot armor will just make them win. Or like, no, like you should probably show the readers. No, there's sometimes the heroes can't win. If someone's that strong, they really can't win. Right? Like, how do you beat this guy? And, the, and that's strong. that's what I think was great about the movie. You know, I think they did really good with Thanos. You know where. He snapped. They couldn't beat him. They tried, you know, and he just kicked their ass. <laughs> he, he just destroyed them with his troops, with everything, got all the gems snapped. Uh, and then they kill him in the beginning of the movie, but even death does not stop, like, Thanos. <laughs> like, like which, you know, yes, it's an alternate timeline and this and that. Like, he's going to keep coming after you. Like, it doesn't end. Like, regardless right. of what you plan, it's, it's like he says, it's inevitable. Like, he's going to do it. Like, I love when he's beating the trinity right he's he's kicking he's fighting uh, you know cap and and iron man and oh, well, in uh end game yeah in Endgame, yeah that yeah. speech he gave yeah it was kind of weird about uh, the the first part that everyone remembers is the uh he says uh all the roads lead back to him you know <laughs> to be fair he actually came back to them because he needed to, to get the stone <laughs> That's cool. Well, and I think that, I think they did a good job. You know, you know, we're dealing with the Kang thing right now. We don't know what we're going to do with Kang, where we're going to put him because of of the the power. Which I'm confused. I got to research because the last I saw, like I thought, like she confessed that you know it was set up. Like I know there's still a trial, but like I thought they had some evidence that said she made up some of the stuff. So I don't I don't even know. But they're going to get rid of Kang. But the negative of I haven't read watched Loki two, but I watched Loki one. He's already lost to Loki once. He already lost to Ant-Man. Like, are you, you're not intimidated by Kang, you know, right? Like, Thanos, you would never beat him. And when Thang showed up, he killed, he, he, uh, he, killed, uh, no, he killed Loki and, 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 and made uh, Hulk a coward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember uh, in, in watching Endgame, when he's just talking to them, He's giving that speech of like, I thought by snapping all half of life, the other half would thrive. But even he forgot. Wait a minute. Right. Why did I just kill it? Why did I just kill all of them? Because right. there's always going to be someone that is going to try to overthrow him, kill him, you know? So you have the board games in the background, don't you? Yeah, I've got a lot of board games, yeah. How long have you been into board games, actually? Um. So... I don't play them as much anymore. Um, I was a huge gamer, and I used to have weekly stuff, but I, I like games. But most of them are superhero stuff. You can't really see, but all this is legendary and, like, Star Wars. It's So when I have, like, Christmas parties and things like that, I'll, I'll, I'll bring in a board game or two, but it's mostly superhero-related. Okay. And I forgot, before we head out in, like, about 30, 35 minutes, because I know you got to go to bed because you're on the East Coast. It's about 10 o'clock for you, sure. isn't it? Holy yeah, crap. 
the stuff let's talk about your comic book uh that, that you're trying to produce how many books have you actually been able to do throughout your uh comic book career actually oh i oh i don't know i don't know how many um probably gearing towards a hundred i'm probably in the 70s now um but yeah yeah so for for orange cone the current company orange cone we have um 26 books that that's an orange cone um and then i have other publishers that i work for that have done anthologies like you know four pages here five pages there i have a graphic novel with another company called uh can't remember the name, but it's called Dog Days with another company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've worked with a bunch of companies as well. So mm-hmm. probably I'm, I'm heading towards a hundred. But Orange Code itself does twenty four. We have we have five main titles, maybe more than that. No, it's more than that. I think six main titles. So I've got big ones. Aren't known for it's Coins of Judas, uh, Great Estate Punk, Cthulhu Invades, Holiday Spirits, Expired. Um, and then we've got uh, Voodoo Nations and a, a few other titles, uh, more than I can name. <laughs> what what made you uh, finally just sit down and go, okay, I got to make my own shit? Yeah, it was it was my wife. Um, so uh, so uh, when I was when I graduated from high school, uh, you know, I explained hmm. my situation where I come from a drug and alcohol family. I needed to leave, or I was going to die. You know, I knew I knew if I stayed, I would use eventually. I just would. Hmm. Because uh, I was already watching like cr- crime movies, and I was just like, you know, if I I, I could be a better criminal than them, you know, because drug addicts mm-hmm. are stupid. Like I don't know if you've ever hung with dryers. They they tend to be dumb, dumb people. Mm-hmm. You're like, but if I was selling, you know, I'm really smart. Not a good plan, by the way. But 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 that that's where my brain was heading. I was like, I can make bank, and like since I'm I, if I don't use the product, I won't be tempted and blah, all this BS. Um, I, I knew I needed to go and I moved to Florida to be a filmmaker because I've always, I wanted to write. I knew, I knew I wanted to write. Uh, I knew I wanted to create things. I was writing scripts in school. Uh, and I went to, I came to Florida and I um, started doing tons of films and, and writing and stuff like that. But then I, I got a girl pregnant like you do. Uh, it happens. Uh, so I had my, my daughter, um, you know, uh, at 22. Um, and I just gave up. I gave up all that stuff to be a dad. Because, you know, growing up in the house that I knew, being a dad was was the most important thing to me. So I raised her, um, you know, and that relationship didn't work out because that was a one night stand and, you know, a whole, whole bunch of blah, blah, blah. Flash forward to my current wife. And uh, in that time, I made one comic called Broke Down and Forty About It. It's a crime. It's a crime fiction book. It's kind of like Quentin Tarantino. So it's about two guys. They break down on the side of the road. Lots of guns, lots of violence, lots of F word. Uh, they hate each other, but they have a case, and everyone's out to get them from the mafia to uh, drug cartel to the police to uh, the guy who set them up to the to a biker gang. They're all coming down on them, and they're broke down the side of the road, and they can't stop fighting. Um, it's like a, a crime noir book, and I did a full issue of that, and I just had it in a folder, and I, I quit it because of my daughter. I one day was just talking to my wife and said, oh, yeah, I made a comic once, and uh, she pointed out, rightfully so, that is the stupidest thing ever. You have a completed comic book in a folder on your computer that you've never done anything with. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I just jumped on Kickstarter and did it. And then I did another one and another one and another one. And now that's all I want to do. I uh, I own a web design company. I'm hoping to get out of that in the next year or two to just do comics full time. Comics don't bring in a lot of money, unfortunately, even when you do Kickstarter and stuff like that. Just the low level Kickstarter, the low level stuff until you get to like a Marvel DC or an image. They don't make enough to really pay the rent, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm I'm working there to get there. So, so let's dive into that. Yeah. Your Kickstarter thing. You know how like now you have a ton of people trying to do this. You've been doing, yeah. you've been doing this for a while. So you've been an experienced veteran for how many years? You said like ten, uh, five, five years. Uh, five years for this time. Yeah, I've I've been comics about about eight or eight for eight to nine, but this mm-hmm. about five years doing it kind of like actively on Kickstarter. So how do you go about generating interest for your product though? Because I feel like people have that that's been their main biggest problem is actually generating interest for their product to have people actually back the product. How do you do that for you? Yeah, you that's a that's a tough thing. And what what people don't the problem is Kickstarter has a low area of entry, right? We talked about this before just earlier, you know, 
people have a surface level of what something is. So someone who has a surface level of Batman, right? He knows all the names of the characters, but doesn't know their motivations, the backs, never read the killing joke, never doesn't know who Alan Moore is, doesn't know who Chip Shadowski is, doesn't know any of those. They are just as much able to make a comic as me, who spends, you know, fifty dollars a week on, on comics, another probably thirty or forty on Kickstarters, you know. Like mm-hmm. we're not the same, but we're we're an equal playing level. The people who are trying who who know about that, who actually do the research and care, they hang out with people who care. And they find people who care, you know, they'll go on podcasts or negotiate with people who care about the stuff. Because some people, some people use Kickstarter or comics as a platform. They're like, I can't afford to make a movie, so I'm going to make a comic book. That's if that's your goal, you're going to fail because you don't understand or care about the medium. So it doesn't care about you. Right. Like everyone who meets me or talks to me knows that whether or not you like my comics or not. You cannot deny that I love comic books and like have a serious Very knowledge true. and care of comics, right? Yes. It doesn't matter. You may hate my writing, but you can't acknowledge that I don't have a love for the medium and care for the medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so how I found my audience was literally going into those forums and groups and talking and, and seeing what they were doing and talking and recommending comic books to them and, and building that fan base ass way, kind of like, oh, Travis likes the same comics I am. He'll probably write the same comics that, that I do. And I believe my comics are better because I've been reading comics my whole life. I know how a comic feels. I know it naturally, like beginning, middle, and end, where it needs to page turn. Like those are natural fittings to me, you know, how those stories, I didn't need to, I've been researching this my whole life, ready to to get into that, that format. And there's still stuff I I didn't get right, but finding all those aspects and, and having an understanding and a dedication of what you can do, you know, um, I think, uh, the, the comic stores that the comic creators when they're coming up in the to the scene all they care about is their thing and they don't look at what everybody else is doing so they're worried about pushing their thing forward and they don't care about that other stuff hey check out my thing and i think that's that's why they're struggling to find a fair base is because they don't care about the things around them and the people who do tend to do okay how long did it take you to accumulate the reader base you have because you know how people just since this, their, since this is generally their first creative endeavor, they're thinking like, hey, if I just do this, people will just naturally gravitate to my product. And in some cases, that is kind of sure. true. You'll, you'll, you'll get you make a good product, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, you're going to be starting at zero like we all do in everything. You got to build up. So how did you do it for your you know, endeavors? Well, I think I never started at zero, right? Like Because mm-hmm. I naturally cared. So I was in some of those communities talking about comics anyways. So when I make a comic, it's a natural progression, right? Like it's not it's stuff. So when you first make a comic, you know, in a Kickstarter, your friends and family are the people who back it. Like those are the people who spend the money and, and back it because that's all that cares. Um, and But when you get into the creator community, we also want to help each other succeed. So you'll see creators who are trying to lift other creators up. And if you don't have an ego about it, you can lift each other up and try to try to change things in the medium and do stuff. And then a lot of creators are trying to do weird things, right? Like, like are trying to do unique things. Like I started out with crime. Crime is the lowest selling comic genre in in the industry. Like it just doesn't sell well. Um, it used to sell. I know that actually. Yeah, it's the mm. lowest. Like look at any any chat it sells the lowest you know there's a brewbacker who sells criminal yeah. which is an outlier but that's why you don't see crime books in every self you know you'll see horror because it sells a little bit better you know that's why sci-fi doesn't do amazing it's trying to figure out those those appeals in in doing that you know i think that that's why um i i, I think that that's why the black superhero genre really struggles because everyone wants their black superhero to be the icon Right. Every all these mm-hmm. little creators yeah. are just creating things instead of like if some of these black creators would do some horror stories or do some other creators and build a base and then mm-hmm. build a superhero, I think they'd have a stronger favorite. But everyone's like, I don't and I I also get it too. Like there's not as many black superheroes out there. So you want to see your representation. So like I get the mentality of it and why there's so many, but I it's really sad of me. There's a book that came out about 15 years ago called the war of independence. It's very, very good. Each issue had like a genre. And one of them was a black superhero thing. I opened that book and none of those characters are relevant right now. None of them are taken care of. So all these indie guys came to the scene, made all these amazing characters and none of them exist anymore. And it's heartbreaking to me. 
um, because because it's it's a staying power and it's fighting for that almighty dollar, right? You know, uh, buying a, a Superman type character here and a Superman character there the same, right? Buying a Batman, Spider-Man or Batman character over here, Spider-Man back did the same, you know? It's trying to find those unique takes, you know? That's why Invincible worked. Such a unique take on superheroes, right? Um, sorry, I lost my track. Um, so to find that fan base, you, you've got to find people who really resonate to the types of stories that you want to tell and the creators that you want to be like, you know, finding those, get, creating a Discord, building that community. And um, the other thing you want to do is a lot of people just want to unveil something to the world because they're scared, right? Let's say uh, we created a new character together, you and I. Um, instead of a, a lot of people, what they do, instead of sharing the process and let people come along on the journey, they wait till it's done and just unveil it to the world, right? Check out this cool thing, this new character. Well, nobody's invested in it, right? Nobody's invested yeah, in it. Yeah, you're talking about building up anticipation right. and interest in your product before just basically just trying to throw it out there kind of like last minute hoping to generate interest yeah right mm -hmm. you build it but a lot of people want to hold that back and i think it's because they're afraid right i they don't want commentary someone saying you're doing it wrong or whatever the case would be especially if it's your first time right oh those those bubbles look like crap or this and that everyone has an opinion um so they're afraid to do that but because you don't do that you didn't have that I'm invested in that. Getting that negative feedback, though, it was negative. If it made your book better, at the end, that person, they, they feel obligated to buy it because they invested in, in saying, hey, you need to change your lettering. So now you change your lettering. That guy now feels like, well, I, I made him change things. I need to invest in and build that up. So I think that's the key is let, let people be part of it because people want to invest in something from the ground level. Everyone, want, everyone wishes they were the investor of Apple or, you know, uh, Beats or, or whatever, Amazon, they want to be an early investor. This is how you can get those early adopters by bringing them on your journey. So what about the process of writers and artists as well? So I, I know people have brought this up a lot. Being new is how do you, as a writer, communicate to your artists, this is kind of what I want, you know? Because even with communication, it can be very hard with like sequencing, as you said before, bubbles, dialogue, which, what characters what what a character is doing on a on a panel then right. since you're going to be selling a most likely 20 page book because you know cost effectiveness when running a kickstarter how do you how do you try to get enough of the story in there in that one book without feeling like you're cramming in too much stuff yeah no that's that's super hard you know it's it's really researching comics there's tons of books you can buy uh you know that kind of show that words and pictures is good uh the autonomy of making comics there's a lot of books that do that um, and then let's be honest, your first, your first person, you're going to pay out of pocket. So you're not going to get the artist you want, right? You're not going to be able to afford the Jim Lee. So you're going to have to get someone at a different tier. So how do you play to their strengths? And I, I think that's the secret is looking at what that person does and trying to play to their strengths instead of your strengths to try to customize what you're writing because to, to, they can draw it better. Look at what they, if they don't draw cars well, don't add a car in that story. You know, and I know that sounds crazy. Well, my story's got a car. Well, either don't hire that guy or don't put it in your story to try to make the art that you see there uh, well. You know, the other thing that indie com new indie creators do is they'll they'll try to get the cheapest guy and the cheapest guy, one of the one things that cheap guys always don't do is backgrounds. They won't do backgrounds. So you see a comic with no background and you think it looks okay, but when you get multiple pages together and you see no background, you, it feels bland and not put together and not right. Um, and and it's the reason why they're cheap is because they don't do backgrounds. They can do it fast. They're just drawing the character, right? They'll draw the character, the gun, or whatever basic thing they need. If there's robbers, they'll, they'll put a gun in a money bag, but they won't draw the whole bank and the people being scared in the background and things like that. And that's what makes these things come to life. Uh, so building all that. Did, did that answer your question? Yeah, it's the same argument. You 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 have a car, so you would. Yeah. It's the same argument people always give with cars. Even when you're buying a car, there's a reason why you don't get the cheap broke down car, even though it's cheap. Because when right. it does break down, you could have factored into yourself, hey, I could have just saved up a little bit more money, got something a little bit more better, and it will last longer and actually go the distance. Right? That's kind of right. like the analogy that I would generally use for like that. If people try to cheap out with like the cheapest artists, and I get it. It's money. It, it, it's you know there's a lot of pressure there, and there's a lot of 
time and investment to creating this stuff. But you factor in if you get a good artist and you put the money into it, the product comes out better and you're going to get potentially more backers when you have a good product of the first five panels you can show rather than just someone who's just a buttfuck nobody who's just kind of just just trying to get money and no backgrounds is like is that how well, you really want to do it you know the the way it normally works which is really interesting which uh, i wish someone would explain to me in the beginning so if i'm getting an artist and i want to get a decent artist for my pay so let's say my pay is 50 dollars, which is super cheap 50 dollars a page I can get a decent one from Brazil or from a foreign guy, which is great. And they, they even may look great. But because I got this guy from Brazil, he is no longer going to be able to help me on any of the promotion. So, yes, I saved money, but now all the promotion's up to me, right? Or I could pay more, get an American accent, uh, American artist who, who I like, but now we're – we are sharing it together and trying to build that brand together. So I paid for it, but I'm also paying for promotion as well. So you're paying for it either way, right? Either you're going to have to do it all yourself because you paid that affordable guy, or you get someone at the same level, same skill level who, who draws, but he's, he's American. So he can help you get American based backers, right? Brazilian backers. They don't have the money to spend $20 on a comic. You need American and UK and Australia to, to be able to do that. So you're going to pay for it either way, whether you're paying for it by yourself, having to do all the marketing or you're paying for it through the art, but you have another guy helping you to promote this thing out and maybe has a name or whatever to get there. That's another thing that I'm glad you brought up, which is, People need to kind of shop out to different artists that aren't from here because if things are like cost effective for you, I've seen right. plenty of Brazilian artists, UK artists actively going out to being, hey, I'm not going to have the best. I'm not going to obviously charge it on my leg. Here's my portfolio. Right. Art, they'll have art with backgrounds and it looks, man, it's just like, I was like, how have you not been picked up by any project? It's like, you're really good. You're really talented. But, you know, people don't want to really go out there and find that bet that that other artist that could potentially be doing what you want at that cheap rate and that right. can do the backgrounds can do the interiors the way you want because you know uh people are not really thinking about this all the way through and that's something that you said earlier which is very key which is people should be thinking about this stuff all in advance like which like okay one day getting the artist getting the writing all that stuff done before you're just going out there and just hey this is what it is and you kind of really have no clue about what you're doing you know because well, like like before there's a lot of planning into this like people don't really do all the planning it's more like okay i got most of it done we're launching what <laughs> no most people will launch with a, a cover you know a lot of people who start <laughs> yeah. person, they'll have one cover and they'll yeah. like, I need $10,000 to pay for this. Uh, you have one cover, dude. Like, nobody's interested. Do you have any pages? Well, we can't afford the pages. we got to pay the thing. You've got to – if you want someone to invest in you, you've got to show that you're willing to put some skin in the game. So you've got to create at least five pages. You've got to have a couple of covers. You know, you, you may be a guy who's like, I would never buy a variant cover. It's not for you, dude. It's for the other people who will buy variant covers. It's not about you. It's about your fans. But and if I would buy a variant cover, well, why would you be? You get them for free because you would fucking be printing them, right. moron. Yeah. Right. So, so the, the, they think, but a variant cover, like, let's just do the math, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Cover A is five dollars. Cover B yeah. is twenty dollars for variant. It costs me the same amount to print that. Right. Yeah. Well, so it didn't cost me any more. Yeah. Why not have a $20 option? So when you, again, like we started, you know, the first backers are going to be your mom and your dad. Are you going to tell your mom and dad, like, I only have a $5 version. Just give me $5. Or are you going to say, oh, I also have this $20 version. You're you're basically giving them levels of investment. How much level yes. of investment mm -hmm. do you want to do in this project? Yeah. And when it comes to like, as you know, because you buy books as well as I do. When, when it comes to variant covers, you know, sometimes the main cover is what people want. Sometimes the variant cover looks yeah. way better, but people will pay that extra dollar to have a better cover for the book that they're reading. People will pay top dollar for good art. I know. Right. Most of my, my paycheck, when I get my paycheck is bills. Make sure I pay all my bills first. Food. Right. Make sure I have food in my refrigerator. And then whatever books I need to buy, if it's on my list, I'm buying this book. And if that book is a variant cover. I'm checking the variant cover first. And if the variant cover is too much money, now I'll get the standard one. But the thing that people, the thing that the people that are making the product don't understand. I'm going to go through all that stuff. And I guarantee you, dude, a lot of other people do that too. You, I know you saw this earlier this year. Remember when James Gunn announced his DCU Chapter 1 Gods and Monsters things and he announced yeah. the 
books that were going to be based off his movies and TV shows. Yeah. People literally went out, went on Amazon and searched out every single title and bought them out clean. It was yeah. sold out. Right. So it's it's so I hate when creators go, people people aren't gonna do that. Yes, they will. You you right. think <laughs> people aren't like people people are obviously NPCs to a certain extent, but if you tell them, hey, I'm doing this, there are people out there that will go the extra mile and do it. Like no one's that stupid, you right. no one's that robotic, you know. If you're telling someone, hey, my book's based on this, they're gonna go off and be like, What is this book based around? Oh, it comes from this history. Let me get book one, let me read this. People are very like investigative like that. If you give right. them the rope to go down that road, you know? Well, and I, I have uh so in, in the movie world, you know, someone can, um, what is it called? Option, option, mm-hmm. a, a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens a lot. And options mean dick. It means nothing. All it means <laughs> is some company said, I'm going to try to sell this. It's not sold. It's optioned. There's a difference. So option, but I know many creators who have had their movie optioned by small companies. That option sells their indie comics crazy because people will buy it up because of the hype because it could potentially make a movie, you know? So so having that stuff, my friend uh, Jonathan Hendrick from The Recount, you know, it, it, his book blew up because it was optioned and it wasn't, wasn't, uh, it wasn't sold. The movie's probably never going to get made, but it's optioned. And also, if you don't know this, Scott Snyder, like, I, I listened to this long, long podcast with him once and it, he blew my mind. He said, I don't even want my movies made. He's like, I want, I want to make comics. He's like, but that option, I get 5,000 here, 10,000 here, 20,000 here. That's my base pay for the year so I can make comics. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> You're like, this is genius. <laughs> <laughs> or you right, like Mark Millar. Right, because most people are like, I want to make the movie, I want to make the movie, I want to make the movie. He's like, I don't give a crap if they make the movie. I actually would rather them not make the movie because that movie could be bad and that could mess up everything. But yeah, that like, option, money. that potential money. Yeah. sells comics <laughs> and gives me money. I like both of those things. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I I have to redo everything. It's all going to change. <laughs> <laughs> so since you've done so many of these Kickstarters and they've all, they've all been fulfilled, everything you've done yep. has been, been fulfilled. Okay. So – what is something now that you've learned that you won't be doing in your other ones as a lesson from all your campaigns? Um, get too excited about stretch goals. Like um, early on, you get excited like, oh, we made our goal and I want to give them this new thing. So you you look up the price of something and you're like, oh, all right, I can get stickers at a decent price. So I'm going to add stickers to it. Well, that's all great, but you didn't factor in now that you've made it, you're going to lose more money because Kickstarter is going to take a bigger percent. Um, you can no longer ship media mail if you add anything to the package. So now like your $4 shipping is now $6 shipping. That So now that, that sticker that costs you 59 cents is now costing you $2.50. Like there's a lot to that. So it's better to, to plan ahead, mix in digital and physical. Would uh, you say the fulfillment part is the hardest part of the actual campaign itself outside of getting just the backers uh only only money wise uh like Mm -hmm. like it's it costs you can never predict how much you're going to spend on shipping that's the biggest part because it can literally change tomorrow like when covid happened there was a time when i was fulfilling one of my campaigns australia wouldn't let packages into their state because of covid i remember that Mm get to do it but you could if you paid 65 dollars $65 $65 for a floppy comic book is not worth shipping. So trying to figure that out and them like going, uh, you know, some of them going like, I don't want my money back. I want my comic or like having to hold on to that. And like all those things. The other thing is uh, that I would have done differently. which not really Kickstarter related, uh, but it's direct market related. I wanted mm-hmm. to be in comic stores so badly. So I've, mm-hmm. I'm in comic stores now and I wanted to be in. Okay. Um, that I was willing to do anything. And I think that a lot of people make mistakes. Uh, most people who are in comic stores don't make a dime. Uh, and that's a real sad reality because comics are selling like under a thousand right now, just because, and the reason why is because they split diamond and diamond and uh, lunar skip. They have different stuff. So they need to, to get their discounts. They got to buy from both. So they buy a little extra Marvel, a little extra DC. And then basically the small percent will buy those things. The publisher that you decide to be with, just because they take you, don't mean doesn't mean they care about you. And I'm not saying that as a as a nasty thing about the publisher. 
they they may have signed 20 other books. So now you're competing against 20 other books. That's that's tough on a on a market shelf. You're competing against a lot of stuff in your own, and that's not counting the other book. That's just that publisher. You know, so they're coming out with 20 books that month. You're just one of that 20, not counting image and DC and Marvel and all the other things that they could buy. So trying to find those deals and trying to make sure and know that if you can get a publisher that allows you to go to Kickstarter first, and that's your secondary avenue of, to make money, that's way better and way smarter. And then you can get to a point where I am, where there's two books that I do that people pay me to make because they trust me as a creator. They know that if I do a book with them, they're going to get so many people who are going to be part of it. So they're they're willing to invest in you, build to that level so you don't have to stress like that. And Archie, a few more things before we head out, actually. Yeah. And the first thing is, do you ever have days where you're just like, fuck it? You know, you just you get down on yourself and you're like, eh, I don't know if it's going to work out this time around. You know, I know a lot of people have that. People will look at me and they're like, oh, this guy's always upbeat. He's always doing it. It's like he never has down. And I told people, hey, I have down days, too. But you got to look at like, hey, if you love doing it so much, you feel down on yourself sometimes because that's just kind of what this is. You want to do better. But obviously, just it's like with anything. Some days are going to be good. Some days are going to be bad. So since you've been doing it for a very long time, do you have those days where you're like, I don't know. Nothing's um, happening. It, it feels that way sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I feel like nothing. And it's hard. My wife is always trying to remind me to live in the morning, moment. So this year we were nominated for a Ringo. Are you familiar with the Ringo Awards? Yes. That's the comic yeah. awards, right? Yes. Yeah. It's one of the, it's like the Emmys of comics. You know, there's the Oscars, which is the Eisner's yes. the Emmys is Ringo. I was nominated for our, our Ringo this year. Oh, congratulations. Oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. We, awesome. didn't, we didn't make it, but uh, Cthulhu invades our series was nominated for, for Ringo, which is really good. So mm. you get all these expectations of maybe the phone will ring. It, it's, it's just another step. It's just another like little badge mm. to get there. Um, and then sometimes your Kickstarters don't perform like you want them to do. Like you expect this or last time you got this. So you think it's a quality of your book and you don't factor in all the other variables. Like like right now, my I have Grand State Punk and it's doing fine. It's going to fund. Um, but the last one did like 10K. I don't think I'm going to make 10K. But I'm also in November around Thanksgiving. You know, uh, people that have to pay back their student loans are uh, the economies in the toilet. Like there's a yeah, lot our president, of Our president's pretty terrible if you guys have been living under a rock actually. Right. So there's, there's a lot of things that, that, that are factor into that. Like this, so you've got to factor all of those things in when you do stuff that you've got to look at the positive, like, okay. So one of my earlier ones this year didn't do great at all. Didn't even make my money back, but I had 271 backers, meaning I have a strong fan base. This book either wasn't, they, they just wanted a digital because the economy to like the book, they were only semi-interested. They didn't quite know what it was. There's something where I failed. So you've got to take that responsibility where I think a lot of people don't want to do. What did you fail? Did you not give the right variation of coverage? Did you not give coverage that people want? Trying to figure that out. So that's where it gets really hard for me because I want to be there, man. I'm going to, I am not going to stop until I work at Marvel DC. It's not going to stop. I'm going to work at Marvel. I don't care. I'll, I'll be happy if you give me an edge of venom verse and I create one of those stupid venoms that nobody cares about. Like, I'll be happy. Like, that's what I need. But I'm not going to stop until I get there. So I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep making as many comics as I can to, to get there and prove that I'm, I'm, I'm of that caliber. Yeah, man. Uh, you're just a seasoned veteran at, at this point. Yeah, I'm, I, I hope other people could realize, you know, there's something else into this as well that other people don't factor in is sometimes it's not even that you're even doing a bad thing or you've made a bad decision or you even made a bad choice on whatever your camping is doing. Since this field is so competitive, like you mentioned, that's what's going to happen, you know? Like, some people just get in their heads so much. And it's like, hey, you – because there's some people that I've seen, it's like, you're not doing anything wrong at all. It's just this is how – this is competition, man. Some some days it pops off. Some, some days it doesn't. But don't always think it's because you did something wrong. It's like that's sure. – you can never improve at that point because then you're always going to wonder what are you doing wrong before are you doing anything right, you know? Well, and, and is your, you know, the other thing that you, we don't factor in as creators is trends, right? Like, True. are we, some people write to trends and they do really well and they write to trends, yeah. but those books tend to have a shorter shelf life. So you can write to trend. You can get that quick money. You can absolutely do that. But you know what? Walking Dead wasn't a trend. Zombies wasn't a trend. He kept making books. He kept they, making. They still are making them books. too. 
<laughs> he's coloring them and they do his um walking so it wasn't a trend and then it became a trend and then it became a trend it blew off so if you if you hold the line if you believe in what you're doing you hold the line it will make it there and you're going to be the biggest guy on the block you've been doing it for five years so when it pops off you're still there because you didn't give up and go to the next thing right oh i gotta go to the next thing i gotta go to the next thing write what you love you know uh, i wish like I did this myself. You know, if you go back to things that I mistake, I gave up on my crime book because it wasn't selling as well. I, I thought that maybe because it wasn't selling as well, maybe I'd have a better chance because no people don't get it. Uh, and it's a great book. It's a lot. I wish I would have kept doing it. Not that like, I think it would have like popped off, but I think that showing that longevity matters to someone. You may go, wow, that's a lot to get into, but think about people who read manga. Manga, you read, you, you read manga. I don't read a lot right. of manga. You're not intimidated by the 12 volumes that are there. That doesn't intimidate you. It actually yeah. just shows there's a lot of this I can get into versus brand new manga that just showed up that you don't know anything about. Dude, right? when, I, when I go to Barnes and Nobles or any store that has books that are out there, I just feel like I'm going to kid in the candy store. It's like, right. oh my God, there's so much stuff. Can I, I just want to buy all the whole shelves to take them off for myself. <laughs> but I realized I'd be broke if I did that. Can't do that. You know, got to have bill, got to have electricity on, you know, got to have internet, you know. Stupid electricity. <laughs> Uh, and if people say out there that internet's on a bill now, you're you're actually a crackhead. So, yeah, man, it was uh, great chatting with you for the first time. Can't wait to have you on again. You know, talk about more comic book stuff, the industry itself, and more sure. indie stuff. And uh, last thing I'll ask you is any shout outs in particular you want to give to anybody and anything else you want to say before we head out of the show? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of campaigns. Can I can I promote a couple of campaigns that are live? Mm -hmm. Sure. So on uh, Kickstarter, I've got Granite State Punk, uh, which is live right now. The Coven, uh, that's a publisher scout a lot of times. So you may have picked up the first two issues with Scout Comics. They came out last year, but The Coven is live. It's the best thing I've ever written. So if you've never checked out my work, that is the one I'd recommend that you check out. If you like punk rock and witches and uh, like a fourth wall breaking, like a Deadpool type character, but, but talking about anarchy and the way the world is right now, that is the book. Uh, it's live on Kickstarter, and I always fulfill, and I always get the, all the pages are done. I actually post it and show you that the art is done. We just need the, the funds to go to the printer and get it all taken care of. Uh, next one, I'm in an anthology called Nightmare Theater. If you're into horror, it's kind of like Grindhouse Theater. It's called Nightmare Theater. It's a third volume, 3D. A lot of great creators in that. Uh, and then there's a, a comic that I'm, I'm in that's struggling right now called The Red Button. Um, the premise is, would you press a red button to, the, to, to if it could kill someone? Um, but you would get tons of money. Are you willing to do that? And especially if you know that person. So there's different uh, stories in, in that world. So those are, are my stuff that's live um, right now. And um, I'm going to give a shout out. Uh, a shout out outside of my work is uh, give this new Punisher a try. Um, if you, uh, I was pleasantly surprised with the new Punisher run. Um, I didn't, I didn't okay. see it coming. So. That'd be a hot take. I know a lot of people are very mad at Marvel's decisions around the Punisher. They're all yeah, the yeah. It's a it's a hot take, but it's a lot of fun. I you know I get that Punisher's problematic. I, I get you didn't love Frank Castle, but um, or you don't like what they've done to Frank Castle. But uh, this this new guy, I think he's gonna be fun. Obviously, he's not gonna stick around forever, but I think that they've got a neat a neat stuff with him, and they're tapping some unseen stuff in the Marvel universe. So. And all right, everyone, hopefully you guys had a great week. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you guys later.